All right, let's start a new series this morning. We're calling it, oh, Children's Church. Ah, you know, when I was sitting down here and I saw, now don't forget Children's Church. Don't forget Children's Church. Don't forget Children's Church. And so I forgot Children's Church. <clears throat> All right. Okay. You guys have a great time back there with Miss Sherry. All right. Let's start a new sermon series this morning, and we're calling it uh, Faith Busters or bo Boosters, excuse me. Not busters, boosters. We're going to boost it, not bust it. <laughs> well, I started that one off great, didn't I? Um, you know, you know in, in some areas of, of our culture, we might say the bigger the better, right? Uh, you know, Texas is great. Why? Because it's so big. Everything's big there. That's what they say anyway. If you've ever been to Texas, I mean, it is a huge state compared to other states. Uh, uh, everything that great happens in the big city. Uh, not in the puny little city, uh, the big city like uh, the Big Apple, New York. Frank Sinatra sang, those little town blues are felt fading away. I'll make a brand new start of it in old New York. Uh, the big city, New York. What do we call Major League Baseball? The big leagues, the big leagues. You know, not those, those scrawny little minor leagues like the Mudcats down here. Um, at 7-Eleven, what do we enjoy there? The Big Gulp. Cool. Um, at McDonald's, we have the Big Mac. Two all-beef patties, special sauce, less cheese, because I didn't sex any buns. Uh, when I was a teenager, Hardy, Hardy's had the Big Twin, right, Jim? Uh, remember the Big Twin? That, that was my favorite back in the day. Big Lots has big bargains, they say. <laughs> Today, there's big tech that we rely on so much for our communication and our trade. You have Apple, Google, Facebook, Twitter, Amazon. Um, and they also threaten to control our lives. And they would love to become big brother to us. Men like big trucks, don't we? Women like big diamonds. Kids like big ice cream cones, right, Sherry? Um, Everyone likes a big smile, don't we? We all got one right now, hopefully. Um, as Americans, we like things big. <clears throat> big is better, big is more powerful, big offers more recognition, more access. Uh, now, of course, not, not everything that's big is, is always better. Uh, you know, big mi microchips, that wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, a big compact car. Sort of defeats the purpose, I think. Um, we like big screen TVs, don't we? We probably all have one. Uh, but we love the thinner, lightweight, flat screens that you can put on the wall that one person can carry, right? Rather than those huge, boat anchor, tube-type big screen TVs that we had back in the 90s that took up half your room. Your, your table had to be made out of steel or concrete, to hold it, and it took four big men just to move it from here to there. Remember those? I'm glad those things were gone. Not all things that are big are better, but many big things are better, more powerful, more beneficial. One of the things in life that is always better when it's big is our faith, our faith. And our walk with God, big faith 
is what God wants from us, and, and it's what we all need to make our relation with, relationship with him the best it can be, a big, big faith. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, Jesus addresses his disciples who struggled to, they were struggling to heal this guy, this young man who had been possessed by a demon. Now, they had been given by, by Jesus special miraculous powers to perform miracles like that. Um, they tried, though, to cast the demon out of this man, but, but they failed to do so. And when they asked Jesus, why did we fail? Here's what he said to them, in, in starting with verse 20. He replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, here the disciples' faith, uh, you know, it was still developing, as everybody's faith is always developing. Theirs was still developing. And for some reason, even because they were maybe alone without Jesus with them, and maybe they were afraid, or maybe maybe they were just uh, experiencing a moment of doubt, like we've all had before, uh, they could not drive out this demon from this boy. So here Jesus makes a clear distinction between a little weak faith and a genuine powerful faith, even if that faith is in a small package like a mustard seed. Uh, the mustard seed was a little teeny seed, but it, it produced a relatively big plant. You know, if, if your faith is real, if it is genuine, it can produce big huge results like moving a mountain <laughs> you know jesus was uh, was great at using hyperbole in his lessons you know this is the technique of using an exaggeration to make a point we saw this the other night on wednesday night when we were uh, studying the sermon on the mount uh, from Matthew chapter 5, when Jesus was discussing the issue of sexual immorality. Some of you who were there might remember. Jesus suggested, what did he suggest? That the way you prevent sexual immorality is by you could pluck out your eye or you could cut off your hand uh, so that it, you wouldn't look and you wouldn't touch. And of course, uh, Jesus didn't really mean that we should mutilate our bodies to prevent sin in our life. No, no, it was a hyperbole. His hyperbole suggested that we need to take extreme measures to avoid sin, to avoid sexual immorality, like eliminating in any way we can the temptations that would cause us to look and lust and, and touch uh, as we go through life. Jesus is describing what a powerful, genuine, big faith is capable of, even if, even if it is in a small package. Can, can you think of anything more powerful than literally moving a mountain? Uh, I, I don't know that I can. Uh, you know, even Yoda, who could, who could move a huge X-wing fi fighter up out of the swamp? Remember that, if you saw those movies, with using the force? Uh, even Yoda could not move an entire mountain. Uh, that seems impossible, right? To move a mountain? And, and I think that's the point that Jesus is trying to make here with the disciples. A big faith can do seemingly impossible things. 
Now, there would never be, I don't think, uh, especially back in the first century, we might today want to move them out into, to put a, a, an interstate through. But back in the first century, there would never be a good reason to move a mountain, other than the fact that it would really be a cool thing to see, wouldn't it? The entertainment value of seeing a mountain move would be really high. Uh, I mean, you go down and watch the BB&T towers being imploded. That was a pretty cool thing to see. But that, that's firecrackers compared to, to, to seeing a mountain be moved. But, you know, God doesn't usually use answered prayers as a form of entertainment for you and me. But he does use answered prayers to help us uh, or... or, or uh, uh, the, the, the asking of, of something like that, our faith, to help us do, to do difficult things in life that might feel like moving a mountain. You know, things like dealing with cancer that so many of our, of our church family are dealing with today. Um, dealing with the death of a loved one in our life. Raising teenagers. Uh, making ends meet financially can seem massive sometimes dealing with a disrespectful boss or with disrespectful co-workers living in a troubled marriage dealing with temptations every day that attack our weaknesses that we constantly have to fight facing our fears uh, fears for our country fears for our family fears for our health you know we're not talking about moving a literal mountain but sometimes life throws things at us that that feels like a mountain and seem as impossible to move how in the world am i going to get through this but jesus wants us to know that if we can grow our faith in god and keep making it bigger and bigger and bigger the mountains in our life can can easily be moved Imagine if you could walk through life with a level of confidence about God that would practically eliminate all fear, all anxiety, all worry, all doubt. Imagine that. You know, maybe you know somebody like that. Maybe you know somebody uh, who, whose faith is so big that no matter what life throws at them, man, they're as cool as a cucumber. It's not that they're not you know, they're, they're happy with what's going on, but they're just cool as a cucumber about it because they genuinely trust that God's going to get them through it. Wouldn't it be great to have that kind of faith? Well, guess what? That is exactly where God wants to take you and me in life. And, and it's not as far off as you and I might think. So when we look at the Bible, we see the, that faith is one of God's biggest goals for our life a strong faith and, and we're not talking about just knowledge and understanding about God's word we're not talking about just knowing facts about the bible like how many people were on board the ark and how many commandments are there and how many sons did Jacob have you know those are interesting things to know but we're not talking about knowledge and understanding M many times we we come to seek God for answers right where, where do I go from here? What's, why is this happening? Uh, and, and unfortunately, God doesn't always let us know all the answers, does he? Uh, now, he has all the answers. Don't get me wrong. Uh, he, he has the answers, but sometimes he doesn't give us all of the answers. But instead, what he wants most from us is to just trust and believe in him. 
What he wants for, for us and from us is faith, even if we don't have all the answers. And so often we don't. Someone said that faith is like a bridge. Uh, in life, there are things that we can see. There are things that we can know and understand. It, it, when we open up God's Word, sometimes it's as plain as day, black and white. Yep, that, that's what I need to do. That's what I don't need to do. That's where I need to go. That's where I don't need to go. But there are also things in life that we cannot see, we cannot know, and we cannot understand. You know what I'm talking about. There are gaps that we can't fill with the knowledge that we have. And here's how those gaps look. Why? Why? Why did that happen? How? <laughs> how in the world did things get like this? What? What's going on here? It, you know what I mean? Questions, doubts, fears that we have, these gaps in, in life that we strive to fill, we want to try to fill them in and understand it so that once they're filled, then we can go forward with confidence. We have a hard time going forward with these gaps in, in the way. How, how, how did the world come into existence? You know, we read in Genesis, and there's some information there, but there's some gaps too. And so we try to fill those gaps with, with philosophies and logic and science and and try our best to, well, maybe this is what happened, or maybe that's what happened. How about this one? Why does suffering exist? How, how many have asked that question? Why, does, why do people, good people suffer? We try to fill that gap with theories and words and reason, anecdotes. What happens when we die? There's not a lot about that in, in the Bible, about exactly what happens when we die. There are gaps, uh, and, and, and we sit here on the other side of those gaps. We, we, we feel like we need a bridge to get over it, uh, uh, a confident path that we can trust to move forward over the, the gap, beyond the gap. And so when we talk about faith over these next few weeks, faith in God is that bridge that gets us over the gaps. Faith is so key to living this life, and, and so with that in mind, let's finish out the summer, or most of the summer, uh, with a few faith boosters, not busters, boosters, that can help us grow, uh, uh, make our faith bigger and bigger, so we can bridge the gaps and move the mountains that we face. If you're a Facebook person, you may be familiar with the Boost Feaster feature for your post. Now, I'm not sure if this is on just a normal Facebook page, but I know most of my Facebook dealing is with the church page, which is kind of a commercial page. Um, but there's this feature called the Boost feature for a post. Uh, let's say that you're having a birthday party uh, for your husband, and you want everybody to know so that they can bring him presents. You know, that's that's a... That would be a good thing to have. So, so uh, you, you could just put a normal post on Facebook, right? Hey, everybody, we're having a party for my husband next Saturday, 11 o'clock, lunch provided. He likes to fish, and he enjoys power tools. A normal post, then, just would be seen by your friends, just, you know, people that just happen upon it as they're, as they're perusing through their, feed, their Facebook feed. Uh, now, that might be okay. That might be good enough for you. 
But if you really want him to get lots of fishing gear and, and lots of power tools, you could boost that post. There's a button that sort of looks like that uh, on the screen there. Uh, now, there's a fee that, that Facebook charges you for it. Uh, but if you pay that fee, they will intentionally send your post to lots more people than just your friends. I mean, you can set the perimeters. You can set it to go to, to people hundreds of miles away from you. You, could, you. you choose how far away you want them to send that post. Um, you can set it to go to certain age groups. You can check a box that, that, that sets it to go to people who like to go to parties and like to buy power tools. Um, you know, it's, it's a great feature, the boost feature. When you boost your post, your announcement is much bigger. More people see it. And the result means there's more fish and a more crowded tool shed. So for your husband, it, it, it's, it's a great feature. You know, for the next several weeks, weeks let, let's take a look at five ways that you and I can boost our faith and make it bigger, more powerful, more effective in our walk with God, and as we deal with the many gaps in life that we all face, make some bridges to go across that. So first, let's be reminded that, you know, faith has been a struggle that mankind has had since the very, very beginning, all the way back to Adam and Eve. You know, they, they struggled with, with faith. Uh, the, it's the issue that split the mankind's relationship with God was trust. Faith and trust are, are, are very similar to each other. We'll kind of use them together today and during this series. Um, it was a, a lack of trust that, sort of, that, that caused the split between Adam and Eve and God, and then subsequently all mankind and God. You know, God had given Adam and Eve everything they needed to survive. Um, he promised to take care of them. He gave them each other as well. Uh, but Adam and Eve, instead of saying, okay, God, thank you, and we'll just, we'll just trust you because you, you've done all this, uh, Adam and Eve said, yeah, but, and prompted by Satan, of course, yeah, but you're holding something back from us, God. I don't think we can trust you because there's something you're not telling us. You know, they were tempted to remove their trust, their faith, in God and place it in themselves. Again, prompted by Satan. And so they broke trust with God, and that caused them to commit sin, and that separated them from God, and subsequently, every one of us since then. You know, we've, we've always struggled to approach life with complete trust in God. And so we ask, how can I have complete trust in him how can i have faith in him uh, god i need more information here i need more information i need more assurance from you you know i i don't like your ways all the time i, I sometimes it feels like i know better god but our trust and our faith in god is the very thing that our relationship with him is built around now, sometimes we might think that our religion is built around something else, like commandments and rules and regulations. You know, you know the, do, the, the, the thou shalts and the thou shalt not. That's, that's how we make God happy, is by following the rules. But notice, you know, when you read the Bible, um, when did God give his people the rules and the regulations? You know, it was after they had established 
faith in him before they got any rules and regulations. You know, it came after they had built their faith already. God rescued them from Egypt, right? With the ten plagues, and he, he allowed them to be able to leave Egypt, and they went through the, 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 he divided the Red Sea, and they walked through on dry ground, and then he destroyed the Egyptian army uh, and saved them. And, 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 and they said, God, you're, the, you're God. You are absolutely God, and we trust you. Now, their trust wasn't perfect, and it didn't last long, but, but they had established this faith and this trust in God. And then it was after that, it was after they had established their faith and trust in God that God gave them the commandments to live by, the do's and the don'ts, to help guide them and protect them. So the, the rules came after faith. Faith was first. And as they were following these rules, remember all through the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, the teachers and the prophets would, would constantly remind the people, trust God, remember the one who rescued you from Egypt. Not the one who gave you the Ten Commandments, but the one who get rescued you from Egypt. Be faithful, trust him. He's worthy. He's worthy, trust him. God's desire has always been a relationship of trust faith and so we shouldn't be surprised when we get to the new testament that jesus's message is not okay guys all right i got 10 more rules for you 10 more rules if you want to please god just follow these rules and everything will be good no that's not what it was it's not it wasn't be good and go to heaven it wasn't uh do the four out of these five things and god will love you now the driving force behind the new testament and the ministry of jesus was to Fix the issue of broken trust in God. To realign uh, the, the relationship that broken trust had destroyed. Lack of faith had destroyed. And so our task as Christians is faith. To trust and to live lives that trust God no matter what. Jesus fixed the sin problem that was created back with Adam and Eve. He died on the cross. He was punished for our sin. So our sin problem is taken care of. Uh, and, and now it's possible for us to find God and be with God through a path of not following the rules, but of faith, trust. Just like the, the lack of faith or trust uh, broke the relationship with God, in our current action of faith, uh, that can restore our relationship with God. So it's fitting that, that that is what we want to boost, right? We want to make it bigger, stronger, faith and trust in God. God desires our faith more than anything. You know, the best relationships in, in any relationship are those with a strong trust or faith in, in each other you know when, when we think of a marriage and the trust between a husband and a wife or, you know somebody might say well where's your husband and the wife might say I don't know but you know what I trust him I trust him you know that's a good relationship when when you can say that the same thing with a with a child a son or a daughter they haven't called yet they have where, where are they I'm not sure where they are right now but you know what I trust them I trust them that's, that's a sign of a good relationship. Trust, faith in each other. Faith makes for a great relationship. 
not, it's not task-oriented. Great relationships aren't task-oriented. You can't find a good relationship that says, you know, I have such a great dad. He's such a wonderful dad. He did three out of the five things that I expected him to do. Such a great dad. No, no, a great relationship is, is when we just know, just because we know the person, we just know that this person has our best interest in mind, and he's going to do anything and everything in their power to take care of us and to do what's right for us. Now, they're not going to be perfect because they're humans, but that's how we know we have a good relationship when we trust the person. Now, it's one thing to talk about putting big faith in another person, and again, that's a good illustration of what, a, a good, a good, uh, what, what faith looks like. But as Christians, you know what? We have a God who is 100% faithful, 100% trustworthy. Um, and, and much of our life is learning and training to put our faith in Him and believing that He's 100% trustworthy and, and when our faith grows in god subsequently our relationship with god then grows the entire bible is god pursuing us to put our faith in him and that's why as you, as you watch jesus during his time on earth you know jesus loved it when he saw people with big faith man that that really got him going in fact, it's the only time that I can think of when Jesus sits back and Jesus is amazed by some, something someone else does. Um, you know, usually when it's the other way around, people were amazed at what Jesus did, all the miracles and, the, and his great teaching ability. But there are a few times when Jesus is amazed by someone else. <laughs> and, and he's not amazed by their obedience, the way they followed the rules. That's not what amazed him. Uh, in fact, there were some people that were sticklers on following the rules, and they, they were the ones he was most disappointed in. Now, there, there, there's no passage where Jesus goes, man, did you see that guy not commit adultery? Wow, that's impressive. Did you see that lady not lie there? That's pretty cool. You know, it's not a, a law follower that, may, that amazes Jesus, but someone's faith would set him back a few seconds. Here, a couple of examples in Matthew, and both of them are from Matthew chapter 8. The first one is verse 1 through 4. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Now, this first guy that we, we meet here, is, he's very sick with this disease called leprosy. And leprosy was a, was a, 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 a terminal disease that everybody died from it back in those days. Uh, he, and you're also an outcast of society as well. Uh, this man's not even supposed to be near other people. He's supposed to be in a leper colony, secluding himself. But, but this man has something special when he comes to Jesus. He doesn't care that he's not supposed to be there uh, because he believes that Jesus has the power to cleanse him. This man is willing to brave the crowds and brave the punishment that might come his way simply because he knows there is a power in Jesus beyond the world. There are forces greater than his disease 
and he knows that it's in Jesus, and he asks Jesus, make me clean. Make me clean. And I'm sure Jesus is thinking, yes, yes, that's what I'm talking about. Folks, that's what I'm talking about right here. That's the reason he brings this example up, tells the story. Someone who trusts, someone with faith, and then he heals the man. And then right after that, we read in verse 5 through 7, another example. And I think Jeff talked about this one last week a little bit. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and, shall I come and heal him? Again, someone is coming to Jesus for help. A quick point, as, as, as we learned last week, the centurion was a Roman soldier. He was in charge, uh, as a centurion, he was in charge of about 100 men in the Roman army. He's not Jewish. Uh, he, he wouldn't have the religious and spiritual background that most of Jesus' other audience would have, so he's not familiar with all the rules and regulations of the law. Uh, he's just heard about Jesus and, and heard about what Jesus has done. And like the leper, he's sort of stuck in his situation. There was no cure um, for, for diseases back then. And he's got this servant who's dying. He has no other answer. Um, and so he says, verse 8, The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. This Roman centurion, he might not be Jewish. He might not know about the law or the Torah, the five books of the, the, old, the first five books of the Old Testament. But you know what? He does know something here. He does understand something about Jesus. He recognizes something about Jesus that he's familiar with. He says, you know, I know what it's like to say something, and because of my authority, it just happens. I command and people obey. That's the way it works with me. So he recognizes this in Jesus. You have authority, Jesus, like I do as a soldier. You have authority so much, in fact, hey, you don't even have to walk down the street to my house. All you need to do is say the word and it'll happen. You have the authority. It'll happen. And that is what blew Jesus away, this man's faith. Again, yes, that's what I'm talking about. Verse 10, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly, I tell you guys, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about Gentiles there. But the subjects of the kingdom, the Jews, um, will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go. Let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. You know, we could spend a lot of time unpacking the many lessons that Jesus teaches here. But ultimately, the point is this. Jesus was amazed. He was thrilled to have this moment, this example to share with his disciples and to you and me. This man, a Roman, not a Jew, a Roman, 
showed them what faith is about. This is what it looks like to trust me. This is what it looks like to trust me. Now, if you're new to the faith or, or maybe naive to the full scope of how God works sometimes, uh, you know, don't, let's not oversimplify how this works. You know, big faith doesn't always end in a miracle. We know that in, in life. Back in Jesus' day, it often did because Jesus had the power, and Jesus was also using miracles to try to prove who he was, to prove who he was. Um, but, but today, we know big faith doesn't always end in a miracle. Uh, in fact, most times it doesn't. Uh, and, and unfortunately, uh, that's often the problem with us. You know, uh, our, our faith is pending, right? All right, God, if you heal, if you heal this, this person, then, then I'll put my faith in you. Um, if, if I see a miracle happen, then I'll put my faith in you. In, in, in this moment, faith in God is not to be contingent on whether or not Jesus heals this man's servant. It, it, it should be there regardless. It, it's a trust, uh, no matter the outcome. That's what faith is about. And that's always hard for us, isn't it? That's one of those gaps and unanswered questions. Why, why, why does God heal this person but not that person? Faith is not a sword that we use as a weapon to, to accomplish what we desire. I'm going to use my faith to get what I need, what I want. Now, faith is a shield of trust, a belief in truth, the truth that God is who he says he is, that rises above the effects that happen. Can you imagine having a faith like that? That's what God wants from you and me. So today, it's just an introduction to the series. Um, Jesus is amazed by big faith. So, so here's how we're going to move forward over the next five weeks. Uh, we're going to attempt to boost our faith by studying five ways to make our faith stronger. Five ways to make our faith bigger. Now, if you find your relationship with God to be uh, in some sort of standstill, uh, if you're struggling to fully commit to, to following God, or maybe you, maybe you often feel like, I'm, I'm constantly having to recommit to God. I'm constantly having to recommit. Um, you know, I'd be willing to guess that one of the issues that we're facing is our faith, our trust, or our lack of faith, our lack of trust. Even, even though you might be able to say, yeah, I believe in Jesus, absolutely, he's the son of God, I certainly do believe in him, you haven't really been able to just plunge in and truly trust him no matter what. That's where we all want to be, right? That's where we all want to be. Think of it like this. You're, you're a pilot of a plane. It's just you and God up in the plane, right? Uh, and, and you've got the controls. you got the controls, and you're flying. The plane is your life. Do you trust God to take control? Just give him over the controls of the plane to put your life in his hands. Now, you know he's an expert pilot. In fact, he's the best pilot ever. <laughs> Do you trust giving him the controls? See, sometimes we talk about belief in God, but we got a tight grip on those controls, and we don't want to give them to God. 
So do you want to grow your faith? Let's be challenged to let go and trust God. So here's a snapshot of the next five weeks, five boosters to a bigger faith. Next week, we're going to talk about practical teaching. Uh, you know, if you know someone who has a big faith, ask them to tell you, where did your faith start? Where did, where did your faith journey start? And they might say, uh, well, somebody invited me to a Bible study a while back, and, and for the first time, I, I started learning about God's Word. Or, or maybe they, you know, I picked up the Bible just one day, and I just started reading it. You know, I'd, I'd had it for years, but I'd never really read it. So I, I read it for myself, and it's amazing how growth can come uh, when you start learning about God through His Word. That's where, that's where God speaks to us, is through His Word. Opening it up yourself and, and not having it read to you like I'm doing this morning, but you read it, you study it, you meditate upon it. You'll be amazed how practical Bible learning can help boost your faith. The second week, we'll look at providential relationships. Uh, something, something else you might hear from someone is, is that you know, their, their faith happened when someone in their life influenced them to trust God. Maybe you're, you can think of somebody right now. That is, when I met this person and their example and the way they trusted God and the way their life was going, um, uh, we can also see how a bad uh, relationship could influence our faith in a negative way. Uh, so either way, relationships can be a huge energizer. A good relationship can be a huge energizer for our faith. So we're going to talk about how we can seek to be a good, uh, a good relation, relationship, have good relationships with people and influence people's lives. And also take advantage of other people who are in our lives uh, to help us grow in our faith. Thirdly, uh, we'll be looking at private discipline. Now, you can't make a relationship happen. We, you know, I can't look at you and go, all right, Let's me and you be best friends, all right? All right, well, we're best friends, right? From now on, that's not how that works. Uh, you, relationships uh, have to develop, and and we have to work through them. But you know, private disciplines can happen. We can just decide to start doing them. Uh, th this this is one totally in our power. Taking personal private time to pray, to fast, um, to read and study God's word intentionally. Setting aside time every day to do things that can boost our faith. Uh, our faith in God has got to go beyond the walls of this church building, beyond the walls of some group setting like on Wednesday night, uh, into personal private time that we intentionally take to boost our faith. Uh, and many people see a spike in their faith when, when they set aside time to pray, to give, when they set aside money from their income, and they trust God, I'm going to give you part of my income, and I'm going to trust you to take care of me. Um, so we'll look at private disciplines. Fourthly, personal ministry. Personal ministry. Now, th this is one that, that might be a little scary sometime, uh, to dive into ministry. But, uh, but I can tell you, we all need it, and God wants us all to be involved in it. And this is something we can absolutely do uh, intentionally um, you know for you maybe church is just something that you benefit from you come on Sunday morning and uh, you uh, you just listen and soak it in you know and that's a good thing we need we all need some of that but then there comes a time when we take that scary step of moving from benefiting to participating <laughs> participating 
and, and you know what happens when you, when you say, okay, I'm going to get involved in this ministry at this church. You get scared, and what do you start doing? You start praying. <laughs> God, you know, God, help me. Uh, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm jumping in this because you want me to be involved, and, and you want me to participate. Uh, I don't feel like I have the qualifications, so God, please help me. Give me the strength. Uh, and there's a couple of them that we can, boosters that we can work in there together. Uh, we're using our talents. We're using our time. Um, uh, we're becoming, we're, we're, we're being, a, we're, we're purposely being involved in the kingdom of God, and that's what God wants from us. And when we are used by God, our faith grows. And the last one will be pivotal circumstances. You know, when someone tells their story about how their faith was stretched and grew, oftentimes there is a moment when it happened, when it started, like uh, a death of someone that's very close to you, uh, that rocks your world. Maybe it was a mistake that you made that changed your life. Um, a pivotal circumstances where things could have gone either way. You know, it could have sent you further away from God, but, but it sent, sent you closer to him and made you reach out to him, made you understand, I, I can't do it by myself. I need help. Um, and so these pivotal circumstances could be bad, but they also could be good as well. You know, maybe, uh, maybe they got married, they got jobs, then they had a baby. How many people have, have finally started seeking God when they, when they had a baby? Everything changed. You know, you got this, this new living thing that's coming to your house, and you go, oh, man, <laughs> Now I gotta, now I gotta take care of it. Now I gotta feed it. Now I gotta teach it. And 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 oh, it probably needs to know about God. Um, it, hey, you know anything about God? No, nope, neither do I. We need to take it somewhere. <laughs> so, it, how many couples have started going to church and learning about God because they saw the need to teach it to their child? Uh, whatever it is, something grabs your attention and changed the way you look at life. And God uses it to point you to, toward trust and faith. Now, maybe you could think of some more faith boosters uh, other than these five, but we're going we're gonna to take these five things and see if, if all of us can't boost our faith. I think all of us would agree, yep, uh, yeah, it definitely needs to be boosted. I mean, it may, maybe it's high, but it needs to be higher, it, and, and it can be higher for all of us. Let's learn, learn how to trust God. Let's be determined to do what it takes to make Jesus step back and look at us and say, as he did to the centurion and the leper, wow, that's what I've been waiting for from you, Mark. That's what I've been waiting for you. Father, I thank you so much for uh, giving us a way to you. And the way to you is not following the rules and being perfect and doing everything just right, but, but it's just putting our faith and trust in you. Uh, and when we do that, then we're going to do our best to follow the rules. But the big thing is, is putting our faith and trust in you, trusting you to get us over the gaps in life. And there's so many of them. And so, Father, help us as we begin this journey together, uh, that at the end of it, for all of us, our faith will be bigger and better. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.